Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. Today we are discussing estate planning. I am here with Patricia DeFonte. Uh, she is a California estate planning attorney, and she has so many valuable insights for single women on the ins and outs of estate planning and why you need an estate plan, even if you have never considered having one. Thank you so much for being here, Patricia. I am so glad to be here. And I have to out myself as not a spinster. We just have to get that yeah, we can, right away. Yes, but you do have a background as a spinster. I, I do. Yes. I do. I didn't meet my person until I was in my late 30s. I got married in my late 30s. And for the longest time, I have to say that I got looked at with those eyes. <laughs> oh, yes. I know tilt. the eyes. Yes. You know, coming to the wedding alone, coming <laughs> to the holidays alone. I, I know mean, what it feels like to be on the let's receiving face end. It, let's face it, you're a catch. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and I love that you said my person. I think that really solidifies you as a spinster. It's not just like my husband. He's just some guy that I married. He's your person. He's my person. Yes. Yeah. So please tell us a little bit about estate planning because I, I always thought estate planning just sounds like you have multiple houses. You are a rich family. You're a Rockefeller. You're a sure. Hearst. You know, yeah. you you have land and you have homes and, and you have a public trust that you're going to bestow upon the people of the nation. Am I just totally off base with that characterization? Well, everybody who lives in Downton Abbey and everybody in all those powdered wigs and all that nonsense. Yes, they do need that. And it's not exclusively for them. And I wish that there were other words that we could use. I wish there was something other than estate planning. I'm not giving anyone any legal advice today. I'm a California attorney and I have a master's in estate planning, trust and probate. But the answer to any, any legal question is it depends. And it depends on the application of your specific facts to the law. And that's why everyone's in court all the time, because everybody's <laughs> splitting hairs and trying to say, oh, nope, that law is, is was written for me. And the other side is saying, oh, that law was written for me. Um, and so anything that you hear today, remember, I'm also from California. So anything that you hear today, please talk about it with your local estate planning lawyer and figure out how these things apply to you. What I will say is that there is not an adult walking this earth that does not need an estate plan. My entire client base is middle-class people. I don't work with rich people. I don't understand them very well. And I am not particularly <laughs> interested in that type of estate planning. It's a much more technical tax-based. And I guess while I have the chops to do it, I don't have the heart to do it. Estate planning, it's really a social justice issue. And what most people don't realize is that the one of the biggest triggers, and even people who aren't rich, they think, oh, when I have a baby, oh, when I buy a house. Sure, those are great triggers, but also turning 18 is a major trigger for estate planning. Think about that college student, oh. just that young 18-year-old person who does risky behaviors like ice climbing and bungee jumping. <laughs> if they bonk their heads, who's in charge? Who can the hospitals talk to? Who talks to their landlord? Who's dealing with their boss at their job? Who's talking to their school, whether it's a high school or a university? They're an adult. So there's more to estate planning than just like your stuff or yes. your possessions. Yeah. Oh, so much more. So much more. Yes. Estate planning is basically about three things. What about me? What about my stuff? And what about the people I'm leaving behind? And, you know, what about me? There's that scenario, the 18-year-old ice climber. But there's also 
anybody can suffer a traumatic brain injury and be in an accident. People have strokes. People fall down and hit their heads all the time. And if you don't have documents in place that say really, really clearly, who is allowed to step into my shoes and operate as me with all these third parties, then hopefully it's someone who loves you and not someone who wants to get into your business and fleece you is going to go to court and say, your honor, she can't take care of her own finances. She can't take care of her house. She keeps leaving the stove on. She's trying to give her money to a Nigerian prince, like whatever all these things are, right? You've said, maybe you're in a coma. So it's just very clear. Your honor, I need to be given permission to step into her shoes to take care of all of her finances because she can't do it. I would prefer that you, if you don't have this trusted person who would do it for you, <laughs> that don't put them through that process. You can create documents. You can create a durable power of attorney with a lawyer, please, to give them all the right permissions and to keep them hopefully out of the court system. And when it comes to healthcare, this is something you can do on your own. You can ask your doctor for an advanced healthcare directive and they will be so happy and they will grin ear to ear and give you this document. And then you just fill it out. And then you usually in most states, you have to notarize it. Maybe you need two witnesses and then give it to your doctor. Give it to the people that you've named in the document. Let them know what is supposed to happen if you hit your head. How do you want to be cared for? Maybe you don't share a religion with your parents. So you don't want a rabbi in the room. You don't want last rites. You don't want to be buried within 24 hours, whatever it is. Put all that stuff in there. Let people know really what your wishes are so that at a time of extreme chaos, they're not wondering what is supposed to happen. They're not scrambling. And it's really important to give them the documents. It's not enough to say, hey, I did my advanced healthcare directive and everybody does a little round of applause. That's wonderful. (laughs) Documents are meaningless if no one knows where they are. So this is why this is so important for single women, because someone who is in a relationship or is married, they sort of have this like default person that this all would fall to. But even that default person isn't necessarily in pole position. It doesn't mean they have the authority. It means they might know what to do but they don't have the authority to do it. And so what about me? That really is for everyone. You have to give people permission to take care of you, regardless of how much money you have. Have some kind of documentation that says where your money goes when you die, just so that you don't leave behind utter chaos. That is is a great reason. Just don't be chaos. Don't be the one who's chaos. And And just to clarify, so the only piece of blanket advice that you will be giving during this podcast is you need a plan. You Uh need some kind of documentation. Yes. And it can be the judicious application of your jurisdiction's statutory forms. Maybe you review those with a lawyer. I would think that would be the best way to do this. And maybe it's the full three-inch binder with a full ream of paper, and it's complicated. The thing is, you can't figure this out on your own. I don't care how many books are out there. I don't care how many talks Susie Orman and Rocket Lawyer and LegalZoom and Nola Press do. (laughs) They are not attorneys. And if you use their products and get your stuff wrong, there's no malpractice insurance. And the people who are counting on you to have these documents in order, the documents are not going to be in order. No bank is going to take that durable power of attorney created by Susie Orman. (laughs) <laughs> because no one's going to believe that you actually understood what you were signing. And no right? one should take advice from Susie Orman. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't know her, but I know that she's not a lawyer and nobody. I don't think anyone. Again, I have an LLM. I have a master's in this area of the law. I would never have the gall to say, well, I have this online product 
and you can just fill it out yourself. It's madness. You have to work with a lawyer because you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Please tell us a little bit more about how to work with an attorney, how to work with someone like you. I'm sure that is something that is very intimidating for a lot of people. You know, sometimes the estate planning lawyer is the only lawyer you ever work with. And that's great because what you're doing is you're a happy, proactive person and you're taking charge. So you don't need a lawyer for litigation. You don't need a lawyer to negotiate some terrible liability that you've incurred and try to get your, you know, try to get you out of it. It's a happy, happy, positive experience. The way that you find a lawyer for you is ask your friends, who did you work with? What was the experience? Are you happy? How often do you talk to them, right? Talk to your people. Also talk to your professional network. You shouldn't be doing your insurance on your own. You shouldn't be doing your financial advisory stuff on your own. So you should have really great people that you can turn to and say, hey, I'm really thinking about estate planning. Do you have a referral for me? Do you have somebody that you can introduce me to? Do you know a professional who does online workshops that I can go and learn and listen and you know talk to them? Sometimes people turn to their parents. It can be tricky because we don't all live in the same states as our parents, but that can be a good place to start. Often the lawyer will say, well, I can't work with you because I work with your parents, but here are some colleagues. These are the things I want you to look for in a lawyer. Number one is experience. How long have they been doing what they're doing? Then couple that with their education. How did they learn how to do estate planning? If they were working in another area of the law and they went and worked for another estate planner for a year or two, and now they've hung out their own shingle, often it's a red flag. (laughs) So you really (laughs) want to dig into how did you start doing this? Why do you do it? How do you do it? How long have you been doing it? I want you to work with somebody who uses software. And it sounds like we're cutting corners, but we're not. Estate planning law touches on all other areas of the law. We are the number one consumers of continuing legal education, the estate planning bar, but not just on estate planning and tax. You will find us in rooms on bankruptcy, family law, corporate law, intellectual property, NFTs. You'll find us everywhere. Why? Because our clients have all of these things or own businesses or own property with their spouses. And there are all kinds of underlying laws that affect that. And it's a big deal. (laughs) Estate planning is a big deal. And so you really want to make sure that you're working with someone who uses software that is consistently updated to reflect changes in the law, both at a federal level and then at your local state level. I use Wealth Council and I will shout on the top of a mountain that I use Wealth Council. It's wonderful. They have a community forum where we ask each other questions. If you have a technical, they also have lawyers on staff. So you can ask, listen, I'm looking at article 23, paragraph 95. Oh, doesn't that sound awful? It sounds like a long document. Yes, it does. Um, But I'm making one up. I don't completely understand this. Like, What's the underlying law? Why is this written the way that it is? I don't get it. One of their lawyers will explain to you why they did it the way they did and give you the underlying case law. So they're they're a wonderful support and the documents are up to date. I also want you to think about and ask the lawyer, what else do you do? Because if they say, I do estate planning and some real estate work and some family law and a bunch of other things, that can be a red flag. Now, if you <laughs> live in a rural area, your local lawyer is probably doing all of these things because they're doing a tremendous service to your community. And they need to be a bit of a jack of all trades. They really do need to be a generalist in order to serve a rural community. In that case, the question is, hey, I understand you're more of a generalist. Do you have somebody that you connect with to stay on top of this and make sure that everything is running really current, that you're all the way up to speed 
when you do estate plans, because I understand you don't do them all the time. It doesn't mean run away from a lawyer who is a generalist, because in some communities that is more necessary than having a specialist. You might have an employee benefit. So I want you to go to HR and ask, do we get free or a reimbursement for estate planning? And if it's free, then you're probably going to get plugged into a network. So everything I said before, really have that all typed out and ready to ask. It can be a little bit tricky. The lawyer is not paid very much to work with you, five to $700, and then they'll upcharge for everything. And they're usually very junior lawyers, which isn't always a bad thing. There are a lot of people that come out of really great educational programs. And in order to get exposure to a lot of different scenarios and talk to a lot of different people, junior lawyers will use these services. They will partake in these services for a year or two or three. And every once in a while, you get really lucky because there's this senior lawyer who forgot to turn the spigot off. And every (laughs) once in a while, you wind up on their calendar. So it can be a good thing. I think that if you have children, it can be tricky and you really want to do a lot of education first and be really clear on what your options are. But if you are single and you know exactly who you want to leave your stuff to and you're not worried about anyone that you're leaving your assets to, everybody's fine. Nobody's going to get in trouble if you leave them money. You don't have children. I think it can be a really great option. There was so much great stuff in what you just said. I think the thing that kind of blew my mind was that you might have an estate planning benefit at work. If you don't know where to turn, if you don't even know where to start, what a great place to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you do have the employee benefit, start asking your colleagues, have you used this? Who'd you work with? Because you will hear five horror stories and then you'll land on somebody good. It's tricky. It's really, really hard. And those lawyers are incredibly busy because they can't work with 10 clients a month in order to pay their malpractice and their software. They have to do 20. Right. And so you're not going to get a lot of time with them you're not going to get a really high level of contact. But if you come in prepared, if you've been to workshops, if you really thought it through and you understand the basics, you're going to get a lot more out of it. I guess to me that also raises the question, how easy is it to change an estate plan once you have one? Mm, I love this. Easy, but you have to pay for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, but maybe more importantly, let's talk about, so you, you create an estate plan and let's say that the person that you've named in whatever role, they're it's just not suitable anymore. Sometimes it's easy to just change the names. Changing the name on an advanced healthcare directive, very simple. Changing the name on a successor trustee, on somebody who's named in a revocable trust, you really do need to work with a lawyer and draft a proper amendment and keep proper records. So it depends what it is that you're changing. I want to let you know that if you do create a trust, it's not, we're doing this for, I've done this and it's going to last forever and this is my final decision. It's not that. You can change it. And you can change who gets your stuff. You can change who is in charge. You don't want to do it on your own. And you don't want to just write on your documents because that just leads to chaos and (laughs) litigation. (laughs) But I do want you to, whichever lawyer you work with, extract a promise from them that they're going to meet with you every three years and just ask them, I want to come in for a free meeting every three years. And I want you to make sure that everything's okay. And you might think everything's okay. My people are the same. My stuff is the same. I'm not worried. Go see the lawyer. And the lawyer might say, oh yeah, but this crazy new law passed and it doesn't apply to 95% of people, but it applies to you. So let's see what we're going to do about that. And that's the kind of stuff that comes up all the time, all the time. That, yeah. That's also such a great tip. It's, you know, you set it up, but it's things outside of yourself can change. You're not the only one who can change 
the law can change, oh, yes. the climate can change. You could move to another state. And I assume that everything would then have to change. Yes, exactly. If you move out of state, it's not that your documents are just useless and you should throw them away in a bin. It's that you might be missing something that's really important to your jurisdiction. Here in California, our real estate laws are bananas, and they just seem to get more complicated every time voters go to the polls. It's a mess. I don't know what's going on in Louisiana, Wyoming, New Mexico. So you really do meet, need to meet with an attorney in your new jurisdiction. Show them the documents that you have. Let them tell you, well, yeah, overall it's okay, but I don't like page seven, and so I want to restate this trust. Or, oh, your durable powers of attorney fail some technical requirements here in, in Mississippi, and so we need to run new ones. Yeah, that's just, it's an easy thing to do. It's an annoying thing to do. It's a thing to put on a list and like check off, get it done. But once you do it, you can rest a lot easier. But, you know, it shouldn't be terrible because, again, if you have an estate plan, you should be meeting with your lawyer every three years. You have this right. relationship. So if you know you're going to move, your lawyer helps you find the lawyer in the new jurisdiction and can even send them your documents. And the lawyer can look at your documents and then meet with you. And so it doesn't have to be a nightmare. It's just part of it's just part of being a grown up. You got to move your Comcast yeah. and you got to change your insurance. <laughs> and you need a new driver's license and you got to. And you and you need a new estate. estate. Yeah, you need yes. a new estate planning lawyer. Yes. Um, and you also talked a little bit about single women and estate planning. And since this is the Spinster Life podcast, I yes. am so eager just to talk about anything that you think is really, really important for single women or people that have never married to think about, to include in their estate plan, any other things that they'll need to update. Give us like a mini spinster handbook for estate planning. Okay. So the, the little, the mini Spencer handbook for estate planning, I'm going to write a book <laughs> called the little mini Spencer handbook for estate planning. I love, I love it. I love I, it. I wish that my marketing director was here because she would just start writing it immediately. <laughs> well, if you would like a really good example of what can happen, if you don't have any documents in place, I invite you to watch two movies. One is called I Care A Lot. And in that, an older woman with capacity, she was perfectly fine, was conserved, and sent into a home. Terrifying. The other movie is with Sandra Oh and Anne Heche, who we unfortunately just lost. And that movie is called Catfight. And what happens in Catfight is these two women who really dislike each other, and they meet up over and over again in the movie, and they, you guessed it, get into a catfight. Now, each one of them winds up, well, along with the fights, one of them winds up in a coma, and then the other one winds up in a coma. What happens when they wake up from their comas? <laughs> Um, chaos. Chaos happens. Chaos happens because <laughs> there was no estate plan. There was no advanced health care directive. There was no durable power of attorney. There was nothing saying what sh who should be in charge of the assets. And they both woke up and uh, it was fiscal chaos in addition to emotional trauma. So what an estate plan can do for the what about me portion, especially if you're single, it will protect you if you wind up in the clutches of a we care a lot type of person. And that did happen to one of my colleagues' mothers. Her mother was a judge in New York City. And she got a call from her mother one day saying, I'm in a nursing home. What do you mean you're in a nursing home, mom? I'm coming right now from California. I'm coming to get you. And she could not get her mother out of there because these people had gone to court to get her mother conserved. Now, if my colleague had had a durable power of attorney saying, and a healthcare directive saying, I'm in charge of my mother. What is all this? <laughs> but instead, she really had to fight 
to get her mother, who was mentally fine, out of that situation. So these are very real things that happen to women, and they happen all over the country, and they happen all the time. Doing the estate planning portion that's what about me is what gives you control. You choose who your people are. You explain to them what it is you want them to do. And if you hit your head, you have somebody who's going to contact your employer to get your disability payments. They're going to talk to your landlord. They're going to make sure that health-wise you're being taken care of the same way. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe it's two different people. But you have to give people these permissions. And more than the permissions, the instructions. How do I yeah. take care of you? Because it's not enough to sign these documents. If you're saying, you are my agent under the durable power of attorney, file my taxes, talk to my employer, collect my disability payments. If they don't know where the documents are, if they don't know where you work, <laughs> where to go, who to contact, where your assets are, it doesn't work. And so working with a lawyer, they will help you. They will A good lawyer will demand that you do a list of your advisors and a list of all of your assets. Everything goes into a binder that we want you to really keep available and accessible. And whoever your people are need to get into your apartment. Maybe they already have copies of these things so that the minute that something like this happens, they can take care of you. That's you taking care of yourself. Now, another piece of estate planning that is critical for spinsters and all women, we are expected, but especially women who don't have partners, maybe women who don't have children, we're expected to take care of the older people. Oh, God, such a good point. That is, that is always just assumed to be the responsibility of, of that woman. Exactly. So what happens when they don't have an estate plan? So you're supposed to take care of your dad and he has a stroke, but he doesn't have an advanced healthcare directive. He doesn't have a durable power of attorney. And he lives out of state. So there you are on an airplane going to that jurisdiction, going to that state, trying to find a lawyer, going to the judge to try to get your dad conserved so that you can get money out of his accounts to pay for his medical care. This is insanity. When you talk to your parents about their own estate plans, usually they telescope. They just completely shut down because they think you want their money. What you want is for them to take control, make decisions, tell you where the documents are and who's in charge so that you can sleep. And in addition to the documents, I want you to have a really big conversation about insurance with yourself and with your parents. If you're single, disability insurance, absolutely. You can't live without it. You don't have someone else who can go hustle and get a side gig to support a lifestyle, to pay the rent, to take to pay the mortgage, whatever it is. You don't have that person. And so you really do absolutely have to have disability insurance. Do not leave your job without independent disability insurance. It's really hard to get if you don't have a job or if you have your, it's impossible if you don't have a job because it's income replacement. And it's very difficult to get once you own your own business because you have to prove up how much money you make. And it's a nightmare. The other type of insurance I really want you to think about is long-term care insurance. And sometimes there are hybrids that it's disability and long-term care. This also is becoming an employee benefit. You have to do a deep dive on these. So disability insurance, income replacement, long-term care is not relying on government assistance should you need long-term care, but it's all of that additional stuff. And especially if you're going to be the one that everyone's looking to, to take care of mom and dad or an older sibling, you better insist, look, I need you to not go on vacation and I need you to spend money on long-term care insurance. Otherwise I'm not doing this because it's not fair because the government will provide the general stuff, but all the extra things that you're going to need. How am I supposed to do this? 
and work and take care of myself and not have my own health fail. If you people, have to educate the people around you, you do. You got to learn about this and then educate everybody. Yes. Um, and I know that we will get to who are you leaving behind and who are the people that you care oh, about. I know we will yes. get we will get to that, and this is part of that. But part of taking care of them is making sure that you have the resources. Yes. To take and care you, of them. Yeah. And if you want to have the moral authority to go, <laughs> to go, you know, get in your parents' face or your older sibling or whoever it is who thinks that you're going to be the one. Get your own plan done and show them, look, I'm worried about me. And this is what I did for me. And I don't, I'm not even putting this on someone else to come and take care of me. You're asking me to do this. I really need you to go to an estate planning lawyer. I need you to do a full insurance audit. I need you to clean everything up because my life does not permit me to stop working, to ignore my own well-being. I don't have that other person there to support me. And so I need you to honor me by getting this work done for me. So I think you that can, you can hear the irritation in my voice. I right? can. I can. <laughs> I feel like you've had this conversation with some people in your family. My parents have absolutely <laughs> incredible long-term care insurance and are very okay. organized. But the reason that they do is because they took care of each of my grandmothers, one after the okay. other. And it had a huge impact on their marriage for good and for bad. And it definitely had an impact on their ability to be out and see the rest of the family, see their friends, have their life because they were trapped at home for a long time. We never saw more that there was always one of them at home. You never saw them together out in public ever because one of them was home with a grandmother. I know that they wish they had purchased long-term care insurance policies for their mothers. Uh, it would have taken a lot of the pressure off. Absolutely. So I'm not worried. <laughs> right. Because did that have anything to do with your, your kind of why to get into estate planning? My why to get into estate planning was multifaceted. I used to be an entertainment lawyer. And I loved that. But after I became an ex-finster and had children, I realized, gosh, I can't really do that anymore because I don't want to go to shows and I can't have clients who don't wake up until 11. So I need something else. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have friends who practice in this area and they are the happiest, most intellectually and emotionally satisfied attorneys I know. I also, during the period where I wasn't working, lost some people and the chaos that they left behind was unbelievable, unbelievable, with terrible, terrible ramifications that still resonate today. And so I thought, well, I can do something that will make me happy, that is intellectually stimulating, and where I'm really helping every single client that I work with, or every workshop I do, every podcast I do, this is news everyone can use. Entertainment law was fun, but it's narrow. This is everybody, and especially women. Yes. I think a lot of people don't want to think about estate planning because it means thinking about death. No one wants to think about their own death and no one really wants to think about the the what ifs of like, what if I'm horribly injured or, you know, what if I'm incapacitated in some way? And yet, this if you just think about it for a short amount of time with a lawyer, then you'll be done. And you don't have to think about it anymore. Rip the bandaid off. Rip that bandaid off. Yes. The only reason not to do this stuff is if you hate your family and you just want to create problems for them. Isn't, I don't know. But isn't, I mean, isn't that a reason to do it? To, if, to make sure that your Ooh. family isn't involved and Boy, they, don't, they don't come and like stumble into it. If you definitely do not want your family, if you're estranged from them in some way, to be oh able to gosh. say, no, no, my sister Diane cannot come in here and tell me what to do. That's a huge one. And I'm here in San Francisco. So many people move here because 
their families threw them out because of who they are. And the last thing that they want is, and that's why we, you know, we really do talk a lot about estate planning, especially with the young LGBT plus community. Like, sweetheart, if you hit your head, your parents are probably going to be the ones who come out. You need to do something to make sure that they cannot. And also worked with a few infamous and famous local performers and drag queens. And it's really important to them that should something happen to them, that their face, their story, their name is not affiliated with conversion therapy, with their parents' homophobic, religious institution, whatever it might be. And so estate planning is something that can really protect you from the negative actors in your life. You might have a cousin who loves you, but is a grifter. So let's just say my cousin Diane, who's a grifter, cannot be my... <laughs> Fucking Diane. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah. 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 You said it, so I just jumped on that. Uh, my cousin Diane is absolutely lovely and would never do such a thing. She is the best. Yeah, and she's a spinster. Yeah, she's never oh, been She Well, then she's lovely. She is. She is lovely. But what about me portion? Protects you. It puts you in control. It keeps away the people you don't want. And it protects the people that you do love and don't want to create chaos and trauma for because you're providing them with permission and instruction. And should, you're, you're more likely to become disabled than to die untimely. So they might be taking care of you for a long time. Let's get it organized and let's not add a court process into all that trauma. Yeah, that's just more more stuff that's going to detract from your care at that point. Yes. Yeah, I think the movie I Care A Lot, it should be required viewing for everybody. For everybody. I know it depicts an elderly woman, you know, being scammed and having her power of attorney taken away, but that could happen to to anybody. But she was fine. She was not sliding into dementia. She was fine. It was collusion between her doctor and this nursing home place. Yes. Yeah, no, they were totally taken advantage of. And I guess that's another thing to protect yourself from is, is I mean, you said bad actors, but even forces like outside of people that, that know you. Oh, in absolutely. This movie, in this movie, it was, it was a, it was a scam. It was a grift. It was a way for the people who ran the care facility to make money. Yeah. They sold all her things and then paid themselves. Yeah. Right. They Horrific. just, ex- they exploited people yes. for their own gain. Yes. And if you look up the movie, then you'll start finding like articles in the New Yorker and the New York Times. And it's just, it's a real horrible thing. What the system, what the patriarchy, what people will do to women because they don't see us as humans somehow. We're not even real people. We're just fungible and expendable and they can monetize us. And, oh, you can't, can't, monetize us sexually anymore. So now you're going to monetize us by throwing us into nursing homes and fleecing us. They, it just yeah. never stops. It, it doesn't. Well, it's got to stop somewhere. So it's going to stop with estate planning. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any little bit that I can do to smash the patriarchy. <laughs> I'm here. I'm you are here. here for it. So yeah, we started to get into a little bit. What about my stuff? What happens yeah. to my stuff? So one of the, sometimes the hardest thing for single people is, oh, I don't know who to leave my stuff to. The three big buckets, if you don't have children, are friends, family, and charity. And a lot of people get frozen around this. And so I think that if you just make that chart, friends, family, charity, and then think about your family. And if people don't need anything, we can always draft some really lovely language saying, hey, 
I'm not leaving my family anything. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It just means that they're all doctors and lawyers and scientists and they work in tech and they have money and they don't need my stuff. If you're leaving assets to charity, you want to really drill down and you can't say Planned Parenthood. You have to say Planned Parenthood at this address in this city because what does it mean, Planned Parenthood? (laughs) There's a website called Charity Navigator. And if you type in ACLU, I think you get like 325 hits because there are so many little sub parts. So you really want to drill down to which one. And then let's talk about friends. These can be some of the sweetest, kindest gifts that you can make. I want to leave $20,000 to my best friend, Linda, because we always said we were going to go on this spa vacation and I want her to go and I want her to live it up and want her to take that Nile cruise, whatever it was. I want to leave $100,000 to my friend, James, because he's an artist and he's struggling under this load of student loans. And I don't want that for him anymore. I want that to go away. And the language that you use, what you want them to use the money for, they don't have to use it for that. But I think it can feel like a really good exercise. And you really start thinking about what people need, how you can really help someone. Hey, I'm really worried about my sister or my brother is an alcoholic. I would like to leave money for them, but in such a way that it's used for their health and their recovery and not just cash because cash might kill them. And so we can really look at, and that's why a good lawyer will ask you, tell me all about your family. Tell me more about your inner circle. Who do you love? Who are your people? Who do you trust? Sometimes the people we love, they can't find their way out of a paper bag, right? So it's not always the (laughs) same list. Who do you worry about? Who's a concern? Who's counting on you? Is there someone that you're taking care of in some way? Are you always like bringing grandma on vacation every year? Do you pay for some of your cousins who otherwise could not afford to attend the reunion. Who are you taking care of? And then when we get to the final part of the meeting where we're talking about who gets what, oh, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. You have to thought about it. I know who you love. I know who you're worried about. So let's start there. And I know what your stuff is. So let's do do some stuff that's a little bit easier. Under California law, if you leave your real estate to this type of person, the tax benefit is this. How does that sound? What about your retirement account? Let's look at this. And and so there are ways that a good lawyer can help you narrow it down so that you're, you're looking by asset class and your people and trying to make the most beneficial connections. And that's going to leave you feeling really good. What I don't like to see is a list of 40 people. That's, that's I mean, not helpful. That's just, I, that's, that's too broad. And you're not saying how you can help them. I am extremely extroverted and I have friends, real friends that I talk to pretty consistently and I know what's going on with them and I love them and they love me. I've had my oldest one since it's been over 50 years. So I probably actually do have 40 friends, but I certainly wouldn't name them all in my estate plan. (laughs) One fortieth of something is insanity unless it's $40 million. It's just crazy. (laughs) Um, And so working with a good lawyer or maybe... Maybe you have a good therapist. Maybe you have a coach. You have somebody who can help you make that list of who do I love? Who's counting on me? Who do I trust? And you know what's important to me? What charities? What resonates with me? Who do I want to help? If I had unlimited resources now, if I had disposable income now, what charities would I give it to today? Now, and then, you know, your family, it might be that your parents don't need help, but you don't like your sister's husband and you want her to have her own separate money. Great. I've done a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There are ways um, to protect that to protect her stuff from their this union. 
kind of go along with who the money would or who your stuff would hurt. I know you mentioned that Talk of like being that. mindful. Yeah, being mindful yeah. of where money wouldn't be a good thing or where right. your stuff wouldn't be a good thing. Yeah. So let's talk about our parents. Uh, a lot of people's parents are receiving social benefits that they have to remain under a certain income level. And if all of a sudden you leave them even $50,000, $25,000, you have taken away their social services. Right. Then oh 25000 that's not going to be enough nothing. to make up the difference. Right? It's not going to make up the difference. You really have to look at, okay, if I die, what do the laws say? Who's going to get my stuff? Is it okay for them to get my stuff? What if they're alcoholics? What if they're going to give all their money to something that you hate? Some oh. nonprofit or organization or political person? Right? You just hate them. And that's what they would do with your money? No, opt out. Opt out of that <laughs> completely. Whoever you leave your money to, you really have to think about what's it going to be like for them to be on the receiving end of this. 33% of people who inherit lose everything within three years because they're grieving and they can't handle it. And creeps and creditors come around. Weirdos come around. All of a sudden, they're in love. All of a sudden, they're starting a new business. And three years later, all the money's gone. So you really have to think about how do I want to leave them that money? Is it okay to just give them cash? Or do we need to put some controls on when they can access this money and what this money is for? If you have people who are receiving government benefits, if they have trouble with alcohol or substance abuse, if they are in a marriage where you have concerns about domestic violence or emotional abuse, think through who the person is. And a good lawyer can help you figure out how do we use this money to honor them, not hurt them, and not let anybody else take it away from them. That is so, that's so empowering. It is. I know we were talking a little bit about how people don't want to do this, but thinking about estate planning, thinking about the future, trying to account for some of the things that could happen, that it, that really is empowerment. That's like the ultimate empowerment. It is. And it it's so much fun working on these plans because when a single woman signs her estate plan, you can just see. It's, you know, the cape unfurls. <laughs> I am grown. I am in charge. I'm not worried. And then coming back for those three-year reviews, and it sets a tone, I think, because when we do these reviews and I say, when's the last time you talked to your insurance person? How's it going with the financial advisor? There's usually a greater ownership overall of all of the incredibly boring technical stuff that every adult has to do. We all have to deal with insurance and we all have to deal with our finances and we all have to keep up with those things. But there's a new sense of almost enjoyment and getting that stuff done, because you know that by doing those things, you are protecting yourself and you are enhancing your future. And so why not really just get into it and group with it? Why not yeah. embrace it and become an evangelist for it and get all your friends to do it too? I think that's probably the most important part is spreading the word about estate planning. Yes. It I is, think women don't talk It is not just about, for Rockefellers. It's, it's for, not. It's for, it's pro and like you said, it's more important for everyday people. It's more important for people that need like disability insurance because they don't have millions of dollars in the bank because exactly. if, if they can't work, they do need a backup plan. Exactly. It's so emotional <laughs> and empowering and necessary for all women. It protects us. We need our parents to do it. When we're married, we need our spouses to do it. If we're not married to our partners, boy, with the <laughs> hammer, we need our unmarried partners to do it. And if we have adult children, we need them to do it. Because I sure as hell don't want to go to court to have my child conserved so that I can get into their accounts to pay their mortgage. Holy what? 
now <laughs> because now things are happening out of order, right? right? I'm the one who's older. I am supposed to be the one who is getting sick or die. They're not supposed to do these things. And so this is something that is as a society, as a community, <laughs> we have to take <laughs> care of each other and honor each other in this way and get these documents in order. I've, I've done an episode of the podcast before about setting up a living situation for yourself. And there is that element of taking care of each other that single women do need to be more mindful of or more open to than maybe somebody who is married and trying to find these support systems in unorthodox ways or Absolutely. ways that aren't, aren't so common. And I, I love this. I love this estate planning thing because there's a lot that you can just take on yourself. And you don't necessarily need to rely on other people or when you do rely on them, you've told them how to take care of you. You're not relying on their judgment. You're not relying you're on not, their judgment. And yes. You're not relying on, they'll probably do it. You have an affirmative yes from them. W listen, I'm, I right. want to write your name down to be in charge of these things. Will you do it? And they go, Ooh, <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? And then you tell them what it means because you know what it means because the lawyer has explained to you what it means for you. And then it's, it's a real thing between two people. It's not a trust fall. It's a compact. Yeah. Yes. And I, I also love this because I think that spinsters here time and time again is who's going to take care of you when you're old? Well, I'm going to. Yeah. And here's how. I'll tell you exactly how. I'll tell you exactly how I'm going to do it. I have disability insurance if I can't work. I have long-term care insurance if I become very, very, very disabled when I am old or even not, and I need additional help. And I'm not too worried about losing everything due to liability because I have amazing auto, home, renters, and umbrella insurance. I'm organized. <laughs> I'm not going to suffer some financial disaster. I have a financial advisor. I have great insurance. I'm on it. Don't you worry about me. Yeah. Or, you know, you could just say to them, well, you are. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Can I put you on the list? Yeah. Can I, can I, um, can I put you in the slot here? Yeah. Can you, can you make decisions for me when I'm incapacitated and yeah. unable to do so? If you've got the time to, to ask me such a complicated and rude question, <laughs> I think you have time to serve and come clean my bathroom if I can't do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can you put that in your estate plan? That, it's a bit um, extreme. <laughs> nosy and rude folks will be required to do chores around my home. That's... Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. Yes. This has been so great and so informative. You've distilled something that sounds so complicated into something that's doable. And not only doable. doable, but something that makes you feel good, gives you confidence, and gives you, gives you something of yourself back. Yes. Yes, it's so fun and empowering. I love it. What we did not get into before, and I really did want to get into it, is, and you did a little bit, your your why of why you, you got into it, but tell us a little bit about the rest of the, the things, the list that you gave us up top about like what to look for in an estate planning attorney. Tell us about, you know, your education. Tell us about... Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell, us, um, tell us about some of those things. Tell us about yeah. how you started your practice. So... When I decided that I wanted to become an estate planning attorney, I went back to school and my husband thought I was crazy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lawyer too. He said, but we're lawyers. Just teach yourself how to do it, which he is. He has worked for high powered federal judges. He is much more of a generalist. I said, oh, honey, <laughs> we got two kids and I 
I can't spend eight hours a day teaching myself how to do much of anything. And so I went and I got a master's in estate planning, probate and trust administration. You know, some nights I was there with the kids. It just, that's just how it had to happen. What I got out of that program was not just the technicals, not just the education, but the community. And so I know experts in every little tiny niche of estate planning, whatever the little sub issue is, I have someone who will actually pick up the phone and talk to me. And maybe I bring them in on that issue. Maybe they just give me a primer and some reading materials, but I have someone to turn to. I started my practice six years ago. And yeah, this month is uh, six years. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. The last couple of years, I have been awarded the super lawyer designation. And I think it's 5% of California lawyers achieve that. And it's a peer review. And so it's a big deal. And you're um, a super lawyer? Yeah, isn't that funny? What a title. That is a title and a half. It, it's And do they give us capes? No, it's so lame. <laughs> I keep telling them, you need to have a party with all of us and everybody gets a cape. You at least um, need like a uniform, you yes. know, like with a with like an S on it so you can yeah. like rip open your shirt yes. and have your uniform pop out. That is what I want. Yes. <laughs> um, instead, I just have, uh, I have glasses that say super lawyer on them. <laughs> like right. eyeball glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I also, my firm won an ethics award from the Better Business Bureau in San Francisco. And I'll tell you, when they called me, they were so excited to tell me. But part of the excitement was because we've never given one of these to a lawyer before. Lawyers and ethics, ha, ha, ha. I became <laughs> enraged. I said, I'm sorry, but I don't actually know that. I might maybe like three lawyers that I'd like to throw under the bus. But yeah. otherwise, especially in the state planning bar, my colleagues exemplary. And most of the people who do it, do it because something terrible has happened and they can't let it happen again because they really seek intellectual and emotional satisfaction in their work and they want to be in a collaborative legal environment. And so it's, I love what I do. And so I'm in California. My headquarters are in Noe Valley in San Francisco, and it's just a big old explosion of pink because at my house, I live with a bunch of dudes and um, so that's my <laughs> my fun space to just be me. And I don't see clients there. My firm and I, we work with clients all over California. And it's me, Patricia DeFonte at DeFonte Law. And I have two associates who work with me. One of them used to be a trial lawyer. She is now officially the happiest lawyer in the United States because she doesn't deal with conflict anymore. And her clients love her. And then we have Marlon, who is a spinster and she's in Texas. And she is a social justice warrior and relentless and funny, 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 funny. So anybody listening in Texas, Marla Scholes is just unbelievable, wonderful. And she's licensed in both Texas and California. Amazing. We will definitely link all of that information below in the show notes. Thank you. Um, Tell us, do you have any events, any ongoing ways to educate people more about estate planning? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I do consistent workshops on estate planning fundamentals. Now you'll see that I do these through two nonprofits that are for that provide services to young families or to pregnant people. These are nonprofits that were there for me when I was a new mother. And so I'm a fiscal sponsor and I like to drive business to them. And so I do my workshops through them. Don't let that put you off. Please do come. The fundamentals are the fundamentals. And I really get it really kind of almost into the weeds a little bit. So it's a lot of really good information. And even if you're not in California, just come. Just come anyway, and then you'll find a lawyer where you live. I also do workshops through Revel, hellorevel.com. And that's women, I think, over 50. 
And I do a lot of workshops there for divorcing people, for estate planning protects women. I'll generally do a workshop for any group of about 20 or more. If you're in California and you have a group and you just want someone to come and explain all this to them, I'll come. I have not a PowerPoint, but a a Word document that I share. We use it as a PowerPoint (laughs) um, and go through and go over the basics. And I do a lot of panels with affiliated professions. So I will do a panel with real estate and we'll have a realtor, a mortgage broker, me, and maybe a real estate attorney. And we'll talk about all of the issues that we see when someone's buying a house or refinancing a house or thinking about buying a house with someone they're not married to, because that is a whole can of worms, especially in California. And sometimes I'll do, hey, prenups. Sometimes I'll do long-term care insurance or real estate. And so a real wide variety of topics. And we're putting more and more of the recordings and the podcasts and the blogs on the website, which is fairly new. So I'm constantly, I've decided I don't want to just sit in a meeting with someone and learn about what they do. I want to have an opportunity to record us talking about what we do so that it benefits more people and it sparks more conversation and more interest. This so is I'm, great. This is I'm so everywhere. Great. Yes, you are. You are. So <laughs> it doesn't matter your financial issue, Patricia. <gasps> Look, can, can we make a point of that? Because not once today did I say that a trigger for estate planning is having a certain amount of money. You it's know, not no. about the money at all. I don't care about the money. Yes, you do. You that's that is why you're a super lawyer. That is why you have that award because and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody refer to estate planning as social justice, but it really is. It's how to preserve wealth, it's how to preserve generational wealth, and it is how it is. to keep the system from chewing you up and spitting you out. Absolutely. You know, my uh standard durable power of attorney, the triggers for incapacity are, you know, doctors agree you're incapacitated, but maybe you've been detained of clients who are afraid of being detained at the border. Maybe you've disappeared. Maybe you were protesting in Portland and you got disappeared by our own police. These things happen. And so incapacity doesn't just mean you bonked your head. It means you're not around. And when you think about what if the person that you're counting on, that like your person gets deported? Yeah. How do you maneuver for them? You need to find them a lawyer. You might need to get into their bank accounts. It's all of these things come together because what we don't want is to go to the courts. The courts do crazy things. When James Gandolfini died, he didn't have all of his money in a trust. A judge decided to give his daughter her inheritance when she turned 18. She's 18 years old. She has lost her father. And here comes millions and millions and millions of dollars. How long do you think she's going to be able to keep hold of that? Right. What a mess. Right. How long before some predator comes along? Exactly. This This is public knowledge how many people are going to swoop in and and, that's and tell her they know what to do with that, that money. It's public knowledge. And she has no, and there's no control from the grave. Sophisticated, fancy, rich people do this stuff all the time. I invite you to Google celebrity estate planning mistakes. Give me a break. <laughs> it's like the only one who got it right was Luke Perry from Beverly Hills 90210. Really? Yeah. He had a great estate plan. Fantastic. Really took care of his family. Yes, but most of them. Yeah, most of them seem to be complete in the messes, complete Shadow and utter Oseman, messes. The Black Panther. No, yeah, he had a terminal illness. He did, his and wife he was yeah. on the steps of the probate court in San Francisco. I do, I do remember that that he mm-hmm. just he hadn't done any of the planning. No, no, and because of his the way his assets were structured, she didn't get everything. His parents got some of it. 
I don't know if that's what he meant. What a mess. Right. Maybe he meant yeah. to leave it all to the parents. Right. Who knows? I'm also thinking of Casey Kasem, the oh, radio personality. That was, a. I mean, I, don't, I actually do not know if he's still alive, but I do know no. that there was... There no, was some... because I think one of his kids had his body exhumed to go bury him somewhere else. Oh, that is yeah. gruesome. I know that when he was alive, there was a huge fight over yep. over who his conservator was. Absolutely. The um the actress from the original Star Trek on TV. Yes. I can't remember her name. There's a whole there's a whole thing about her estate Nichelle. as well. So, yeah, Nichelle, so yeah. I'm gonna close this out with a story then. Okay. She is a touchstone for my estate planning practice. If you go to my website, you're going to see my logo and it's a tree and it's the apple pie tree of life. And um, when I was a kid, I asked my dad what happens to us when we die. And he said, don't worry about it. You just walk past the sun, past the moon until you get to the apple pie tree. So that was perfect for me because my favorite food was and is really good apple pie. And all I wanted to be when I grew up, because I was a child of the seventies, was I wanted to be Lieutenant Uhuru in space, in a miniskirt, as a scientist. I thought that was the top mark, the top best thing a person could be. And I am so sorry because we lost her very recently. Yes. I am so sorry that I did not think to write to her, to tell her that I talk about her almost every day and that I literally wear her around my neck in a way with my estate planning, with my apple pie tree of life pendant that a friend made for me. That is a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing so much of your wisdom. I love being on this podcast. I hope you I hope that you invite me back. Yes. But maybe after we've heard back from some listeners with some amazing success stories and some stories of empowerment and what the impact was, what happened after listening to this. Because that's what I'd love to know. Did this inspire anyone? Is anyone getting this done? Yes. Oh, yeah. the conversations go? What was the outcome? What what questions do you still have? Yes. And what questions do you still have? Where are you stuck? Let me unstick you. I would. Yes, I would love that. So yes, that will be part two. Send in your questions. Send in your stories. We want to hear all of it. Thank you so much for listening. Patricia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. We will see you next time.